Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Tzadikheim Masechet Erevin. But we will begin, and if we are so fortunate, we will finish the parak and start our last parak. But first, we're 13 lines up on Tzadik Dalad Amad Bez. What are we talking about over here? Well, we had talked about a Mishnah where there was a break in a house and in a wall in two places. There was a machlokas, whether the Pesach that was the, represented the break, there was two ways to interpret um, these halachos. One was where the breach is more than 10 amos, and the other, that's Rav's, uh, that's Shmuel Shita, and Rav's Shita was where the breach was less than 10 amos. Okay. And so we explained yesterday, we went through the lengths of explaining Shmuel's Shita and Rav's Shita and how that works and why it wouldn't, wouldn't work in, in the various cases. And now we just finish off that idea by asking why they didn't hold like each other as follows. Says the Gemara, 13 lines up. Shmuel lo amar karav. Why did Shmuel, again, who said that the cases were where the breach must be more than 10, ten amos um, in, ter, in breach in terms of width, in a real breach, why did he not hold like Rav? Because Because in order to understand Rav, we had to say that the roof... Right, we were talking about pitikra, and we had to say that there was talking about a slanted alachson means a diagonal, a slanted roof, which does not give you the opportunity to say pitikra yard v'sosem. We don't draw the imaginary curtain coming down from such a roof. However, Shmuel would say to Rav, uh, "Your shita is a beautiful shita, but we don't see any evidence of a slanted roof in the Mishnah, and therefore it's not implied in the words." So that's why Shmuel didn't hold like Rav. And why did Rav not hold like Shmuel? What did Rav not like about the shot where it's bigger than 10 amas? Because Imkain, more for not a linguistic reason in the Mishnah, but for a halachic reason. Because after all, Shmuel and Rav had a machlokas about a gazebo. And achsadra, you could call it a gazebo or a pavilion open on four sides. Right, so as we had recalled, that pavilion opened on four sides, right? Rav what held that you can carry because you have peak tikra yard visosem, even though it's open on all four sides. You still can uh, imagine curtains coming down and walls on all four sides. So that's the only reason why that second approach actually works for Rav. That would not work for Shmuel. As the Gemara continues to say, Rav letamei, Right, this case of the gazebo, Rav is consistent with his own shita, the Amar Achsadra Motel Tatal Bechula. Because Rav, in fact, holds that even in such an, a gazebo that has no walls, Rav would allow you to carry in all, in, in all of it, which means to say that he counts the walls as halachically valid for mechitzos. As, where is the source for that? As follows, we already said, the Itmar Achsadra Bevika, you have a Gazebo in an open field. Rav Amar Motol Tatal Bechula. Rav is going to allow you to carry through all of it. Ushmuel Amar Ein Metaltan Ba'elba Arba Amos. We quoted this yesterday. That Shmuel says you can't carry in it, as we've been mentioning. To say that you can carry four Amos is right tantamount to saying you can't carry at all, because that's the maximum you can carry, like in Rishus Rabbim or in an area that has no Mechitzos at all. So Rav Amar Motol Tatal Bechula. Why says the Gemara? Because I mean, I'm Pitik or Yarid Vitzaisem. Because we say that, in fact, the roof of said gazebo has um, this ability to bring down these imaginary walls. Because Shmuel, in contrast, 
holds that we don't say particular yard besaisem, and that's why, as we said before, however, uh, Shmuel, it's not that Shmuel holds that we, does, that we don't say particular yard besaisem at all, um, but we said Shmuel would simply not say that in the case where all four walls were not existent. He would need at least one wall to be there uh, physically in order to bring down the imaginary halachic walls of P. Tikrayorid Vesosim. The words technically means the edge of the roof. The Tikra is the roof. The ceiling goes down Yorid Vesosim and creates a stima or a machitza of a halachic wall. Okay. So now let's discuss uh, a little bit more about this gazebo, four lines up from the bottom, starting down in base. Says the Gemara, in this Machlokas between Rav and Shmuel, we said, When you say that the gazebo does not exceed the 10 ama, right, gap on every side, then even Rav and Shmuel agree that carrying would be permitted, in other words. And that makes sense, obviously, right? Because if you have posts of a gazebo and then like a top of a gazebo, and it's less than 10 amos, so then that's what we call a Pesach, right? That's just an opening. An opening is a doorway. A doorway is always counted as part of a mechitza. So even Shmuel would agree to that. However, the mechlokas would be when said opening would be bigger than ten amos. That's one way of saying it. Another way of saying it is that everyone would agree when it's more than ten amos wide. Right? This was another, would be another um, approach. There everyone would be, agree that you can't carry. Because maybe we only say p'tikra in a case where, really, it's about, would we say P-Tikra in all four sides? In a case where all four sides are more than 10 Amos. So one could argue that maybe in such a case, you would not go so far as to say that even on all four sides, you would say P-Tikra when each of the sides is more than 10 Amos. However, that they argue, perhaps they argue, when the openings are less than 10 Amos, then maybe there would be Machlokes where Shmuel would say, even then, you would need to have one solid wall, and Rav would say that in such a case where the walls, only in such a case where the walls are less than 10 amos wide of an opening, only there would Rav say that you can have pitikra on all four walls. Okay, so in light of that, Vahadam or Rabbi Yehuda himself said, as we turn to Tzadik Hayam Aleph, Kora Arba Matir Bechorva. You might recall that when we talked about a Kora, right, a couple of weeks ago, this is the beam in a ruin, in a, in a churva. Okay. Rav Nachman Amar Rabba Bar Avuha, Kora Arba Matir B'mayim. What's this Kora Arba Matir B'churva? So we said, if you have, let's say, a beam, and the beam is at least what? Four Tzfachim wide. So now it's considered its own Rishus. It allows you to carry where? It allows you to carry under the Kora, in a churva. Why? Because you take the edges of said Korah, of this beam, and you say, Pitik Riyad Vesaisim. You bring them down, and then in that area by a Chorva, then what? Then in that area by a Chorva, you're allowed to carry. Well, if you're allowed to carry, now the Chorva is a complete ruin. And by definition, a Chorva is defined as a place where the breach is more than 10 Amos wide. That's what defines it as a Chorva. So if you can carry under a beam in a Chorva, it seems to imply that you should be able to carry, right, and, and say, Pitikor Yard same in a gazebo as well. And Rav Nachman Barabur says, Kor Arba Mati Bemaim, it would be allowed you to carry, right, uh, uh, over the water where the beam extends, and Mani. And which opinion does that reflect? According to the first version, right, 
when you say that the machlokas is is where it's ten amos or less, meaning right, right, that the machlokas is uh, that I'm sorry that when there's ten amos or less, they the Rav and Shmuel don't argue, which is to say that they argue in a case where it's ten amos or more, which is to say that Rav holds that Pitikra applies even in a case where it's more than ten amos, right? So this is a right a stepwise way of saying that of favoring the first interpretation because we see that just like in a chorva, you're going to say pitikra, so therefore you should be able to say pitikra in a gazebo, at least according to Rav, it, there should be a shita that holds that pitikra would in fact work where there is an opening that's greater than ten amos, just like there is one in a chorva. Now, and so there we could say that Rabbi Yudah Nachman maybe refers to beams whose sides are 10 amas an hour. In other words, the, this whole idea of bringing the beam in, right, the beam in as a raya to the fact that we hold by that 10 amas or more is probably where the machlokas is, that would only work if the said beam was over a span that was more than 10 amas wide. But it could be that that case was talking about a beam that was... 10 amos or less, in which case that would not teach you anything. It wouldn't be instructive about how wide that beam would be. So we say, So according to that second version, right, if you say that that's what the machlokas was about, so then that would dictate where the machlokas is, right? And then, and then we would say, in, in that case, kirav, you must say that the statements of Yehuda and Nachman in both cases, because of the fact that the width are going to dictate Right. The, in other words, in both cases, because of the fact that we're going to use the beam in a chorva to teach you what the halacha will be in the gazebo. So in both those cases, they say that that beam works. So either way, they're representing Rav's position because Rav's position is that the p'tikri works. So again, if you, so, the first lashon is that the beam. Right. The first approach is that the beams are wider than ten amos. So you could say that the machlokas about the beam in the Chorva is over a beam that's wider than 10 amos, and then that's where the machlokas is, and that's where Rav is going to say, just like, right, these, these versions of Nachon Ramba Yehuda, right, that's when Rav is going to say that the Pitikri or Vesosim works. Or you could say that the case of the beam is 10 amos or less, and then that's where Rav is going to say that the Pitikri or Vesosim work. He's going to argue with Shmuel, but in the case where it's wider than 10 amos, neither of them would say that it works. But be that as it may, this machlokas of the Korah Arba is going to reflect the position of Rav in the gazebo. Okay, now, another consideration here, before we get to the two dots, is whether this machlokas of Rav Shmuel is in fact a reflection of the machlokas of Baye and Rava uh, that we're going to have coming up, as follows. Lema says the Gemara, Lema Abaye and Rava fluked the Shmuel kamifligi, Maybe Abai and Rava with the following machlokas are going to also reflect the machlokas of Shmuel as follows. So we already had this kind of machlokas. We saw, okay, that if you place schach, on top of, we'll call it a gazebo, right? In this case, it's a gazebo. We had earlier had a similar case. Well, it sounded, it had the same words. But we said that it was more of the, like a, like an entranceway or a corridor. Um, and so the pavilion there had walls on either side, two walls. 
but it's clear from the context here, and this is what the art scroll quotes of the Maharshal saying that Rashi is explaining, that in fact this case is different than the other case, even though they sound identical. So when we say achsadro here, imagine a gazebo that's open on all four sides. That's important, otherwise it could be confusing. So, what are the patsimin? They're posts. Okay, so you have, uh, let's say, a gazebo with posts placed less than three tfachim uh, from each other around the perimeter. Ah, Andrew's eyes light up. He loves the Lovud principle. Okay, so that is kasher, obviously, right? You don't need to have solid walls, right? You could just have these posts placed around. However, ain't la patsimin. So now, ain't la patsimin, it's a straight up open gazebo. Straight up open, open air gazebo, Abai Amar Kashera, Virava Amar Psula. So Abai is gonna say it's fine, and Rava is gonna say that it's possible. Well, that sounds exactly like what? The Machlokas Rav Shmuel. Whether a open air gazebo has Pikti Kuriyar Vesoysem on all four sides. Abai would say like Rav, and Rava would say like Shmuel. Says the Gemara, Abai Amar Kashera, Amar Pikti Kuriyar Vesoysem. So it sounds like this Machlokas Abai and Rava is a straight up uh, reflection of the Machlokas Rav Shmuel. As the Gemara now spells out, but the Gemara concludes, in fact, that a gazebo for Hilcha Shabbos and a gazebo for Hilcha Sukkah might, in fact, be different. As follows, says the Gemara, So Shmuel, who's not going to allow Pitikra in this Sukkah, so everyone has agreed that the Sukkah is going to, not, is going to be puzzled. However, However, Abai and Rava, what the Gemara is saying here now is that Abai and Rava, in fact, are not a straight up pure reflection of Rav and Shmuel, but in fact, they might be arguing within Rav. How so? Well, both Abai and Rava would agree that Shmuel would say that the sukkah is puzzle. However, Abai and Rava disagree about whether Rav, they, in other words, Abai and Rava know that Rav would allow this gazebo in a case with regards to Hilcha Shabbos, but they might disagree about whether he would extend that Allowance to a sukkah as well as follows. Abaye kerav, because Abaye is going to say that this is good enough for a sukkah. However, Rava ad kan lo kama rav hasam. Rava understands even even within Rav that Rav, even though he would allow an open air gazebo to carry on Shabbos, he's not going to allow it for sukkahs to be a valid sukkah. Why? Because ad kan lo kama rav hasam ela dehani mechitos laxadra avide. Because again, these mechitos are good enough to make a achsadra for Shabbos, aval hacha dehane mechitos lav lasuka avide. Low. However, in case of sukkah, these mechitos will not work for sukkah purposes. On of hacha dehane lasuka avide, low. There, Rav would not apply pitikra. Now, really, the Gemara isn't really being very descriptive. It's not explaining what the difference between uh, the sukkah for Shabbos and the sukkah for sukkahs would be. In fact, there have been, you know, when you talk about tent fachim high and all different kinds of scenarios, we've used sukkah before, in fact, as a model for what we're going to consider mechitzos. Sometimes, you know, that is a comparison that we make. And Rashi helps a little, doesn't help much. You see Rashi over here, lav le sukkah, l'shem sukkah, so he seems to imply that whereas the gazebo for mechitzos Shabbos, that's just straight up are these mechitzos present or not? Whereas sukkahs, it has to have a little more of an element of having a mechitza there for the purposes of sukkah. 
This is a this is a classic thing that you would need real Ian for. I can see Pinchas grows Shlita talking about this because he says the Shem Sukkah because it's very fuzzy as Rabbi Safar would say. Because what does Rashi here say? Right? Because at the end of the day, you really don't need the walls of the Sukkah to be Lishma. You only need the Schach to be Lishma. So he's saying even though the walls technically, in fact, don't have to be Lishma. Like, we're not going to go so far as to say that it doesn't have to have, like, even exist. So, Rashi isn't really saying the lumda spelled out. You have to, like, flesh it out. But it sounds like he's basically saying that out of these, this halacha, that this schach of a sukkah has to be the shema, perhaps we can even say, this would be like a data point to show you, right? There is, we know that there's a machlokas whether building the walls of a sukkah Ha, ha, is a mitzvah, is it a heksher mitzvah, right? So this, there is, this would be a data point to say that there is something to the walls of the sukkah that's more than just are these machitzas here. There has to be some element of it's deliberately there, right? As opposed to, right, when you come to machitzas Shabbos, literally you could just use tikriyard v'saisim for rav for all four walls. Something about sukkah needs to be more deliberate where even rav, according to rav at least, would not allow is it, uh, yeah, e- even Ra- Rav, according to Rava, would say that it works for, sukkah, for, for Shabbos, but it does not work for Sukkot. It needs to be more Lishma in some way, even though not Lishma technically in the way that the Schach uh, is. Very, very interesting. So when that comes up, you'll have this uh, background as a data point to show, to show for Rava's opinion with regards to how of Rav would not apply to Sukkot. Beautiful. All right. Two dots, 16 lines up. From the bottom of Sadiq Hayamadala. From Yosemir Im Mutarin. What's going on here? He said, if, if we had that interesting statement in the Mishnah, it says, look at your Erev. If your Erev is going to be permitted for Shabbos, it's going to be permitted for future Shabbosos. So obviously, Rabbi Yossi is saying that whatever it is now, it's going to be permitted for future Shabbosos. This should be obvious, but still the Gemara asks, Ibailu, Rabbi Yossi, Lesar Lahatir. Is he trying to say le'isar or le'heter? So Gemara says, Amar of Sheshit le'isar, v'chein Amar of Yochanan le'isar. It's clear that what he's saying is that if you look at, right, that if you look at the future and it's not going to work past Shabbos, then it shouldn't work today. It's clear that that's what it should say, right? In other words, but he uses an interesting formulation, right? He says, if it's permitted for this Shabbos, it's permitted for all future Shabbosos. So really, clearly, he's not trying to say that you can have an Erev and then once you have an Erev, then it doesn't matter. No matter what happens to that Erev, like even if it falls down once, as long as it's permitted one time, it's going to be permitted forever. You could literally like dismantle it and pack it up and you'll, this community will always have an Erev. That, that doesn't make any sense. And so it's interesting that they even ask the question. Be that as it may, they asked the question and they all said, no, of course that's not what he means. He means that if it's going to be kosher in the future, so that will determine whether you could use it this Shabbos, even though it fell down. And says the Gemara, Tanya Nami Hachi, we also have a brisa that just spells this out explicitly as follows. Amar Rabiosi, Rabiosi himself said in this brisa, Kashem, Shasurin, Lasid Lavo, Kachasurin, Lasa Shabbos. So there he's more explicit, less poetic and, right, and ambiguous. Okay, so we know that that's what he meant. Fine. Finally, itmar Rabbiyah Bar Yosef Amar Halacha Karabiyosi. In fact, the halacha is like Rabbiyosi um, that, in fact, carrying as soon as the right as the air falls down on Shabbos, you're no longer allowed to carry. 
Shmuel Amar Halachik Rabbi Yehuda. So that was in fact the Machlokes. Shmuel said the Halachik Rabbi Yehuda that even if the air falls down, so at least for the rest of that Shabbos, not for next Shabbos, but at least for the rest of that Shabbos, you could still carry. Okay, Umi Amar Shmuel Hachi. Did Shmuel really say that Halachik like Rabbi Yehuda? Asked the Gemara. That's none. And after all, we learned in the Mishnah a few weeks ago, almost exactly two weeks ago, we said Amar Rabbi Yehuda, but Med Varim Amurim. Right in that case, we were talking about. Uh, um, a person make, being kind of an error for another person, as you might, as you might recall. So that's, that was the context. But we'll see that the statement at the end of the Mishnah is really what we're after. But the context was, when did we say that one person could be makna, uh, person for the other? Remember when we said that, um, and we said that an error of around the community, everybody wants that. So that I could do on your behalf. But an error of Tchumim, Right, it's a zero sum game. If I allow, if I am you and you're not around, and I am you to the east, so then that just limits you from going west. So for that, I'll need your consent. Anyway, that was the discussion there. So let's see it inside. We said, So of course we're going to say I'm sorry. is when you're going to have to have the other person's consent. Aval be'erev echatzeros, but in right our erev, our community erev, me'arvin bein ladas bein shalol ladas. You can do that with or without Andrew's consent. Lefisha zachin ladam shalol befanav, ve'ein chavin shalol befanav. That's what we said over there. And to our point, ve'amar Rabbi Yehuda, Amar Shmuel, halacha ke Rabbi Yehuda. And there, Rabbi Yehuda, Amar Shmuel said that the halacha was like Rabbi Yehuda. Ve'lo'od, and that's where we added el shakol malcolm shishana Rabbi Yehuda be'erevin halacha kamboso. Ah. And that's where we said that everywhere we said Rabbi Huda. That's, uh, Rabbi Huda is the Erevin expert. Wherever we bring up Rabbi Huda's Shita with Erevin, we agree with him. Remember we talked about Rabbi Huda from Baghdad? So he said to Rabbi Huda, Amar Shmuel, did, um, did Shmuel say that the Allah follows Rabbi Huda? Even in the case where what? The Mavoy or Kara and Lechi fell on Shabbos? So you might recall, this is all a quote from that Gemara. In other words, it's interesting. You, Rabbi Yehuda had a shita that nobody held like, as you might recall. That even if the right the kara or the of the mavoi, if they if that fell apart, right, then you could still use the erev. So at the time when we learned it, right, we we had quoted it. But now this is where we learned it, right? This is where we learned the idea that Rabbi Yehuda is going to could say that that erev is going to be valid for the entirety of Shabbos, even if it completely falls down. And that, if you might recall, that's where we said, well, it can't be like we hold like Rabbi Huda in everything, because we certainly don't hold like Rabbi Huda in that shita that's far out. And you might recall, uh, we just mentioned Pinchas Gros Shlita, this is where we said the fundamental idea. I said over there that Be'erevin, that I was talking about Erevin, and as we said and as we've been saying all along in Masechus Erevin, as we're about to finish within about a week, We've been saying that Erevin is the consortium, the shutfus that we all have. In the chutz there, that's what's called Erevin. The actual lechi and kara, the construction of the said Erev, what we colloquially call the Erev, that's not really Erevin. That's Mechitzah Shabbos. So with regards to Mechitzah Shabbos, we don't follow like Rabbi Huda. We all only follow like Rabbi Huda with regards to actual Erevin. So in the case of whether you have to say, 
Do you have to um, give somebody consent in order to include you in the air of? That's a real air of in concept, right? That's that. There we have to hold like Rabbi Yehuda. That's a concept of shutfus, right? But when it comes to the actual construction, the lechi and kara falling down, that's not ervin. That's mechitzas shabbos. Oh, so we see that the lacha does not follow Rabbi Yehuda in the case of that of, of the idea of mechitzas shabbos. So now, right? We have that question of, do we have to hold like Rabbi Yehuda in our Mishnah? In other words, Shmuel said, in our Mishnah, the halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda, that the air of the falls down is going to be great forever. And so we are saying from the end of this little dialogue that we had already two weeks ago, it seems that nobody holds like that. So how could Shmuel hold like that? Not only does nobody hold like that, we brought the fact that nobody holds like that, that the air of falling down is no longer valid, we brought that as a, right, as a data, as a data point against Shmuel, that the halacha is always like Rabbi Yehuda, right, against Rabbi Yehuda or Shmuel, that the halacha is always like Rabbi Yehuda. We said it can't be it's always like Rabbi Yehuda because we don't hold like him here. So how could Shmuel hold like Rabbi Yehuda? Or that, that how could Shmuel hold that the halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda in our Mishnah? So the Gemara resolves it. Amar Ravana Ladidi mi mine de Shmuel. Yeah, this is a good question what you're asking. How could Shmuel say that the halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda? Again, that an heir that falls down is valid for the rest of Shabbos. It's a good question that you're asking. And guess who explained it to me? Shmuel himself explained it to me. And I'll tell you what Shmuel meant when he said that the halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda, as follows. Shmuel said, Kan and Kan Wow. In a case where you're talking about an heir uh, of and what we call colloquially an air of the falls down that's enclosing a Carmelis, that would be okay and we would hold like Rabbi Yehuda. Wow. However, when it's open to Rosh Hashanah where the stakes are higher, right, because that would be an Isidar Raisa, then we're going to hold like Rabbi, uh, then we're not going to hold like Rabbi Yehuda. Nifratzilla Carmelis, says Rashi, Sharik Rabbi Yehuda, the Nami Asila Fuke, Levar Lavi Surador Raisa Ika. So it comes down to we can hold like Rabbi Yehuda that the Arab is still good when you're talking about stakes that are Durbanan. And there, that's where Shmuel holds like Rabbi Yehuda. But it's true that if you were talking about a Daraisa, presumably Rabbi Yehuda would still hold, even if it's open to Rishus Arabim. And then that's what we're enclosing with the air. Rabbi Yehuda would still say that if it was up on Bein HaShemashah suits, it would be okay. But that Shmuel's not going to go that far. Shmuel's not going to say that the Lachas like Rabbi Yehuda in a Rishus Rabim. He's only going to say that the Lachas like Rabbi Yehuda if the stakes are there. Wow, incredible. All right, next Mishnah on Sadiqei Amad Aleph. Habone Aliyah Al Gabesh Batim. You build a, you have a two, you have two houses and you build like a second story. Again, you're going to build almost like a bridge. This is going to be, oh, I always wanted to do this because we know, as we know, Andrew lives on one side of Rishos Arabim on the street and Barry lives on the other side of the street. But I've always wanted to be able to go to their houses on Shabbos, right, without having to walk out in the rain. So what I'm doing is I'm going to build a house that spans over the street like a bridge and actually connects. It becomes a second level to both Andrew and Barry's house on either side of the street. So, so it's called... Right, I'll be the bridge that bridges the gap between Barry and Andrew with my house over their house. Okay, that's one possibility. As we had said, by right, we're talking about a bridge, 
right? And a road passes underneath. So it's really like a two-sided wall. Again, is very makil over here. He holds that you could actually carry underneath them on Shabbos. We're going to see, explain all this in the Gemara. The Chachamim Osrim, the Chachamim don't allow. There it is. The Mavoy Mefulash. Again, it's an open Mavoy, the Chachamim Osrim. We had mentioned this in Daf Beis. Uh, the great Daf Yomi master of Ari Leibowitz points out that towards the end of a Masechta, we, we like to pick up loose ends that we started in the beginning of the Masechta. Isn't that interesting? And we did have a, a loose end at the beginning of Masechta because the whole time we were talking about a Mavoy, we said, you know, later on in Erevin, there's a Machlokas Rabbi Yudon Chachamim about this, where the Chachamim hold that you need to really have a, a what? Or it's just a yachid. You need to have three enclosures in order to put a lechi in a Korah. And Rabbi Yehuda holds that even if it's mavoy mifulash, where it's open on both sides, you could put two lechis and Korahs and it works. So here it is. Here's our Mishnah that brings up that machloka. So the Gemara is going to discuss his, Rabbi Yehuda's rationale for allowing just two walls. I'm a rabbi. Right? One could argue, what's the machlokas Rabbi Yehuda Chachamim? The Machokas is that Rabbi Yehuda holds the Midaraisa, all you need to have a Yachid is two walls, and the Chachamim hold what you need is three walls. And in other words, they both fundamentally agree that what does an Erev do? It takes a Rishisha Yachid Doraisa, and it makes it like even palatable Darabanan, right? That's Rishisha Yachid Doraisa, but we don't want to carry because we're concerned. So we're going to say even Midarabanan, it's going to be okay by, by virtue of putting up the Erev. Right? But fundamentally, they both agree with that. But the only question is, what constitutes a Rishus ha yachid Raisa? Is it three walls like according to the Chachamim, or two walls according to Rabbi Huda? What's the Raisa? Rashi just as quick to point out, it's not like you're learning it from a Pasuk. It just means halach l'moshim Sinai. You see, in the Gemara Rashi, the Raisa, halach l'moshim Sinai. Okay. Okay, so that's the Machlokas. Ela mishum de kisavar pitik or yard v'soysem. So the Machlokas is not about how many mechitzas are uh, the Raisa to include Rishis Yachid, that they're all going to agree. The question is, P. Tikra Yared Vesaisim. Are we going to hold P. Tikra, right, in this case of, let's say, a bridge, right, that has an edge, and then you can put down the part- partitions. Okay, so wait a minute. Now, if you could put down the partitions, so again, if you hold P. Tikra Yared Vesaisim, so let's say you have this house that I have over Andrew and Barry's house. So I have that house. So if the sides go down, then according to Rabbi Yehud, then according to Rabbi Yehud, I have four walls, right? Two of them are legit, right, uh, construction, and the other two are pitikra, and then I got four walls. So that's going to be what the Gemara is going to challenge here. Esve Abaye. Abaye is going to challenge as follows. Yaiser al-Kain Amar Rabbi Yehuda. The Mishnah had said, Yaiser al-Kain Amar Rabbi Yehuda. Right? V'od Amar Rabbi Yehuda. V'od. Right? So he says, Right, so he says, but a person who has, um, this is really not quoted here, but this is a part of the brisa that Abaye was aware of, where it said, Let's say somebody has two houses on two opposite sides of Shusarabim. So what Abaye is pointing out is something that we had not seen before. Certainly the case of the Mishnah where you have my house spanning across the Rishus Ha-Rabim, 
between Andrew and Barry's house, or when you have like an actual bridge. So there you have a physical bridge, and you could drop down Pitik or Yard Vesosim from there. So from there, maybe you could say that that's the Machlokas. But Abai is pointing out that the earlier part of the Brisa, it was even more extreme. In that earlier part of the Brisa, there was no physical barrier across. It was an Erev. It was a Lechem Ikan So let's say you had, right, Barry's house on one side, Andrew's house on the other side of Shusarabim, and all you did was extend like a beam across. Even there, even there, um, right, Rabbi Yehuda is going to say, and it's clearly there, it's not because of a physical presence of a wall, it's, it's P. Tikriyared, and still, right, they said to him, and there where Chachamim said, no, you can't be Me'arev in Shusarabim Bakach. In other words, what he did there was, he just basically made an Arab on either side. That was like, a, right, that was like a mavoy totally mifulash, where he's only not putting something physical, but an actual Arab. So we see that what's, what's, what you're creating, Roshisa Yachad, according to Rabbi Yehuda, why would that work? That would only work if Rabbi Yehuda holds literally what we just said was not the machlokas. That really it is fundamentally machlokas about how many walls you physically need for Roshisa Yachad. Where the Chachamim hold the three, which is what we're used to, and Rabbi Yehuda actually holds that you, all you need is two walls, right? So over here, because here we don't use Pitikra. So obviously the Machlokas, and still Rabbi Huda says you can carry. So obviously the Machlokas is not Pitikra, but rather the Machlokas is, what is the number of walls that you need in order to make a biblical versus Hayachin? Oh. So Amalei, Rabbi answered him, Mehahi in. From the Brisa, yeah, that, that in fact shows you that Rabbi Huda holds that two walls are enough for Shusha Yachin. But Meha Leka Lemishma Mina. But what I meant from the, what I meant when I said that you, that our Mishnah, again, right, right, Rabbah has to explain to Abaye that really it is a machlokas. Everybody knows that Rabbi Yehud and the Chachamim have this fundamental machlokas about how many walls you need to make your Shasayachid. All I was saying, says Rabbah, is that that's not what we learned from our Mishnah. That you can't actually infer that from our Mishnah, because our Mishnah could be talking about a case of Pitikra, but be that as it may, we certainly do have the machlokas by the number of walls between Rabbi Yehuda and Chachamim about how many walls comprise a Rishis Sayachid as well. It just happens to be that's not the Machlokas from our Mishnah. To which Amar Ravashi, Ravashi comes back and says, no, you could have even learned it in our Mishnah itself. If you read our Mishnah carefully, you see shades of that Machlokas in our Mishnah itself as follows. Amar Ravashi, Masnisi Nami Daika. A, a real careful reading of a Mishnah reflects that Machlokas between the two and the three wall Rishis Sayachid as, uh, as well. How so? Midiktani, because our Mishnah says, the od Amar Rabbi Yehuda. Right? The od Amar Rabbi Yehuda implies that we already learned something and now we're learning something new, right? So we say, the od Amar Rabbi Yehuda, ma'arvin b'mavoy and fulash, v'chachamim oisrim. So we see that there's some additional lesson here from the fact that Rabbi Yehuda not only argued with regards to the bridge and to the house that I built on top of Andrew and Barry, but he also argued by ma'arvin and fulash. What does it mean that he also argued? What's this the od? So, if you're going to say, well, that Mavim and Foolish is also talking about the Machlokas of Yard Vesay, so why would the Mishnah say, right, in other words, if the first or the second lesson is the same lesson, um, in other words, if, if the first lesson is particular yard of Sosim and the second lesson is a different lesson, or vice versa, so that would make sense that he's teaching something further. Right? But if you say the reason, right, that Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda 
holds that you that you can carry is because of the mechitzas daraisa. Why does it say ve'od? So shmamina. We learn from that that Rabbah is correct. That whether two or three mechitzas are daraisa is really the machlokes, right? And then ve'od just illustrates that it's reducing a different machlokes. So basically, the concept of ve'od teaches you that you learn two things. So if you were only to learn one thing from our mishnah, so maybe you'd say, okay, we're only learning particular yard v'sosim. But once we learn two things, so you have no choice but to learn both the concept of Pitikra Yorv Sosem, as well as the allusion to the more fundamental machlokas between Rehuda and the Chachamim about how many walls you need to create a Rishisa Yachid or Raisa, where the Chachamim hold three, which is what we're used to, and Rabbi Yehuda holds two. Hadran Allah called Gagos. We were able to learn all the Kolgagos. Beautiful. May we return to it and Chazar and learn it in depth and breadth. Okay. So now we arrive at the tenth, at the bottom of Tzadikim and Alf, at the tenth and final parak of Masechas Ervin. Amazing, Sheikh Now, what is the topic of this? This is called Hamaytzi Tefillin. Tefillin, and we're going to learn Hilchas Tefillin. What we're going to learn a little bit, actually, today, you're going to learn about the proper placement of Tefillin. Uh, this is one of the sources, um, but really, it's about Hotza Hamaytzi. It's the first word of this parak because we're going back to Hotza. This is the journey we started. Right, we have uh, Shabbos and Ervin. All, all about Hotza. It's the journey we started in the beginning of Shabbos. And so we get back to the, sharp, what, what, uh, the loose ends of Hotza as follows. Says the Mishnah. A lot of these things that we're going to quote now are, stuff, are things that we quoted all, all along, but this is the locus classicus, as Rabbi Rosenzweig and other intellectuals would say. This is the, this is the primary source material as follows. Says the Mishnah. Hamot said tefillin. So you find tefillin in a field. Okay. So now, you find filling in the field, and you can't just leave it in the field because you don't want it to be destroyed. So you want to protect the tefillin. You don't know whose they are. And so, but the problem is that it's in a field. You don't want to be able, you're not allowed to carry. You find it in an area where there's no Arab. So how are you going to bring these tefillin back into sa- to safety? So, two suggestions. Machnisin zug zug. Right? So the Tanakama, the Chacham, are going to say, you should bring them into your house by wearing them Pair uh, zug zug, meaning a zug is what we call colloquially a pair of tefillin, right? One pair of tefillin at a time. Rabbi Gamliel Omer Shnaim Shnaim. We'll see what all this means. Rabbi Gamliel says two pairs of tefillin at a time. Why would they be machlokas of one versus two pairs of tefillin at a time? We'll see. Says the Mishnah. This is only old tefillin. But if the tefillin are new, then you're pater. Uh, this is different than what we, you know, we, we see like a bar mitzvah boy with his super shiny straps. We don't, that's not what it's talking about over here. And we know that those are new tefillin. That's not what it's talking about here. In those days, you could tell that the old tefillin, the straps were properly constructed and they were actual tefillin. But there was a proliferation of what you might recall from Masech Shabbos, the kamiya, right? The amulets that were not, didn't have kedusha at all, right? They just had like weird incantations in them. So those, and remember we had a whole, uh, whole discussion of Kamiyas there in Masech Shabbos. So those amulets didn't have Kedusha. For those, we would not allow you, okay, to carry those things. So basically what the Mepharshim explained here is that new tefillin and amulets were indistinguishable. So what you end up having is a suffix. Now it is interesting to note that if you have a suffix, whether it's tefillin or an amulet, we're not going to let you carry it inside. That's interesting. But be that as it may, the point of Yeshanos and Chadashos here is that Chadashos, you're not sure that it's filling altogether. Yeshanos, you know that it's filling. Okay. Now, Metzaon, what if you found large numbers of Tfilin, Tzvasim, 
tied up or krichos or in bundles, machshich alehem. So then you're, you're stuck. Why? Because even if you were to go back and forth, and I know, Andrew, you would spare no effort. You'd spend the rest of your Shabbos bringing in those fillings to safety. But even if you did that, there's just, and I know that you've also been running and all that, but there's just not enough time left in Shabbos to bring them to safety. It's a, it's a fool's errand. So it's a, it's a, right? You're never going to make it. There's just too many tefillin here. So when there's too many tefillin to protect, then machshech means, Andrew, you're going to babysit these tefillin until dark. And then after Shabbos, you're going to bring them back to safety. Where were you, Laney will say? I was watching the tefillin, Laney. Okay. Now, uvisakana. What about if it's dangerous to hang around over there until Shabbos ends? Mechasan. So then you should still do your best. It's an interesting mission, right? You should cover them. The holochlo. And then you can go home. Ah, the old passing off assembly line shtick. You should give your tefillin to your friend, the chaver the chaver, and his friend should give it to his friend. And you keep just passing one to the other. How does that work? Because presumably he's saying, right, this is probably not a shtick that we would allow in normal circumstances. It probably would only work in a time of danger where you have to have it. But what we do is, you are not, each person is not carrying it, dalad amos, and there you do the handoff technique. Okay? Until you finally get to the outer courtyard of the city, right? And then you're going to be able to bring it into, into the courtyard. Now, the article quotes the Gaon Yaakov who says that the last person can't place him into the courtyard himself, right? So even there, that would be a lachadar raisa. But he's going to have to, again, even in that case, extend his hand in and let someone else inside pick up the tefillin. Again, bringing us back not only to the beginning of Masechah's Erevin, but to the very first Mishnah in Masechah's Shabbos. Right, the idea of Akira, Hatzah, Hanacha. Isn't it amazing how we tie it all together in a bow? Okay. Okay, so then, V'chein Beno, also if you have a child, what's going on here? Well, a child was born in the field. You have to obviously bring him back in. You're not going to just leave him out there. Notice on the Chavero, the Chavero, the Chavero. So we see that in cases, amazing, it compares Tefillin to a live child, that in those unique cases, you're going to have to do the, um, the human change shtick. Afilu mea, even if you have a hundred, if you, even if you need a hundred friends, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda, again, he's been very makel all day. And here too, he's saying you can give a barrel to your friend just to bring in a barrel. Why? Because you don't want to lose the money? Not only can you even do it with a barrel, but you can even go behind the tchum. Amrilo, the chacham said to him, what are you saying? You can't do that to the barrel. Any more than you could do for a person. In other words, a human being can't pass a tchum, right? A Jew. So you're going to say that the barrel can pass a tchum? Wow. Very action-packed Mishnah. Let's dig into the Gemara. Uh, it's going to take more than just today. So we have a lot of interesting ideas to look forward to for today and tomorrow. So let's see. Says the Gemara. Zug echad in tfeilo. Now, we have the Tanakama, right? The Tanakama said, what was the Machlokas? Tanakama said that you could bring in one pair of tfeilo, and Gamaliel said two. Okay, so clearly Zug... It, even though it means a pair, it means one pair of tefillin. So the Gemara asks, stama Rabbi Meir? Are we going to say that we learned here an anonymous Mishnah that doesn't agree with Rabbi Meir? Why? Because we have a general klal. Stam Mishnah Rabbi Meir. So if you have a Tanakama and we don't have anybody attributed to him, so it must be that it's Rabbi Meir. However, this doesn't sound like Rabbi Meir Shita, that you would bring only one pair of tefillin. How do we know? Because the Iker Rabbi Meir, Ha'amar, did Rabbi Meir not say, Lovish Lilbosh? What was that case? House is on fire. How's on fire and you're taking everything out now and you got to carry. Stuff is on fire and you got to carry it out. Rameer said, just put everything on, right? 
Like, like, like you're going on Delta Airlines and you can't bring a carry-on, so you wear your whole wardrobe on your body. The oitef kol masha yachal latov, and wrap yourself in clothing, everything that you can wrap himself. Tetnan, we say in the Mishnah, this was, we learned in Shabbos Kavches, Ulasham, and there, in the courtyard, next to the fire, Maitzi kol kli tashmisho, v'lovish kol masha yachal bring out everything, wear everything you can, v'oitef kol masha yachal latov, wear absolutely everything you can, and then put your carry-on on your head like a hat. Now, the Gemara now says that that, that could reflect Rabbi Meir. Why? He's stopping me. My Rabbi Meir here. How do we know that that other Stam Mishnah was in fact Rabbi Meir? The Ketani Allah, because there we said a brisa. The brisa explicitly said lovish and poshet that you can wear the all those clothing lovish and poshet and then put on different clothing. Afilu kolayom kulo divri Rabbi Meir. In fact, right? It was it was Rabbi Meir over there. So we have a problem because if the Stam Mishnah over there in Shabbos Kufches was Rabbi Meir. And Rabbi, the Stam Mishnah here is also Rabbi Meir. Well, we have a contradiction because there, Rabbi Meir allowed you to put on all these types of clothing, and over here by us, he's only letting us carry one pair of tefillin. So why would that be? So Rabbi is going to reconcile it in a, in a very simple way. He's going to say clothing isn't like tefillin. As follows, I'm a Rava. I feel the of Rabbi Meir, even Rabbi Meir, who's going to let you carry as many clothes as you physically can on yourself uh, to save on Shabbos to save from fire. Hasam there, derech malbusho kechol shavir abanan. The chachamim are going to say whatever you can do during the week. Now you don't really dress like that, like a vagabond with all of your wardrobe on you all day during the week. But there are scenarios. Let's say it's very very cold or whatever it is that you're going to bundle up. So so where is clothing? It's somewhat common. It's understandable to wear a lot of clothing. You wear your thermals and then your jacket and then your shirt and then your other jacket. So in both cases, it's derech malbusha. Now we do have a machlokas rishonim as to how to understand this, but I think the simplest way to understand this is how I believe they said the Rashba and the Ritva understand it, which is to say that tefillin, you just don't wear multiple tefillin. That's not how people wear tefillin. People are putting tefillin on already. Nobody's wearing, uh, uh, some people take them off and put on Rabbeinu Tan, but nobody wears, oh, and sometimes we do see very, very rarely people putting on two pairs of tefillin at a time and no more. But the idea is that certainly more than that, you're not going to put it on. There, so, so the, the, uh, maybe that's why it's Rabbeinu Tan, that you can wear more than one. We're going to see. So anyway, that clothing you pile on, tefillin you don't pile on. So since with clothing, however much clothing you want to wear, depending on how you're feeling that day, you could wear it. So then, so with regards to saving the clothing, the rabbanon are also going to allow it. Where it's more acceptable mainstream to only wear one pair of tefillin, so they're only going to make, allow you to wear one pair of tefillin. So now we're 22 lines down, and we have a few more minutes, we have the two dots here. Okay, so speaking of which, the, so, so again, tefillin versus clothes. So now Rabbi Gamliel held that you could wear two pairs of tefillin. So we said, Rabbi Gamliel, Omer Shnaim Shnaim. So says the Gemara, my kasavar, what's two? Wow, we're going to get into real in here. If you hold that you can wear, remember, this is on Shabbos, right? So if you can wear tefillin allowed on Shabbos, then you should only be allowed to wear one, one, tefillin, one pair. This is very interesting. What exactly is going on in the Gemara? Rashi brings in the idea of baltoisif. In other words, if you're doing it, let's say mitzvah, so then you can't wear multiple tefillin. 
because you're actually fulfilling a mitzvah and now you're wearing extra. Wow. But if all you're doing is saving it, so ironically, the fact that Shabbos is lavs man tefillin means that now it's just an ornament. If it's just an ornament, then you can pile up the ornaments. Oh, So says the Gemara, La'aylam, Kusava Shabbos lavs man tefillin hu. So why does Rebbe Gamliel, when he says two, so again, the kasha was, why would you decide dafka say two? Two, if you, if you say it's man tefillin, so then you should only be able to wear one. And if it's lavs man tefillin, you should wear more than two. So says the, the Gemara, no. That he owes Shabbos is lavs man tefillin, v'chishara bon le'inin atzala derech malbush bimkom tefillin. Yeah, but why is he limited to two? Because you physically can't wear more than two pairs of tefillin at a time. That's why. So he, really, theoretically, he would allow more. But physically, you can't wear more than two. So the Gemara says, zug echad nami in tefillin. Can you, can you really fit more than one on you? Maybe one is the maximum number of tefillin that, that can fit on a human being. So I'm Rav Shmuel Bar-Yitzchak, yesh barosh laniach boshte tefillin. No, the head is big enough to, in fact, accommodate two pairs of tefillin. So the Gemara says, okay, Hanicha de Rosh, Diyad, Ma'ikalamemar. At this point, the Gemara assumes that for the head, is, there is room for two tefillin, but for the arm, there isn't. Over here, we end up learning as an inference what is the proper placement of tefillin, obviously, right? Because he holds at the head, you could hold, it, there's a wider range of where you could place the Shel Rosh, as opposed to the Yad, where it's a narrower range. So that is something that we have to look forward to uh, when we continue tomorrow about where the placement of tillin is and how it relates to saving tillin from the fields. Fascinating. We're finishing off about two-thirds of the way down on Sadiq Hayon Bays. That's what we'll pick up tomorrow. Uh,